Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information in this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, Megan Fancel, it's such a pleasure and honor to have you on this segment of Integrative Cancer Solution. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Yes, I'm looking forward to our interview. I, I love your work and this is going to be awesome. Well, uh, so you are the, the CEO and owner of uh, uh, of cancer peace university yes so, that's correct so tell me a little bit of, about that i mean why 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 was that started i mean what what kind of drove you because of all the things you you can do in your life you know why was this important to you yes uh several reasons but the main reason was i was a nutritional therapist working with uh children with autism and at the same time I had a friend diagnosed with breast cancer and she walked this very challenging, terrible journey. And she was only 47, had two special needs children, was a single mom, had no financial resources. And the stress was beyond what anyone could surmount. And I spent a lot of time advocating for her, doing research for her. My background's in counseling. So I, I was just trying to help her think of the emotional roots to her diagnosis, just as a friend. And through that process, I actually attended appointments with her, with her oncologist. She was working with a normal oncologist and an integrative oncologist. And it really was eye-opening. I did not realize the, the challenges that cancer patients face, the feeling like a number, feeling like you're just cattle going through this process, and then seeing the difference between her appointment with a normal oncologist and then an integrative oncologist and seeing that there's such a disparity and a lack of integration in our culture. And I really felt like it was a justice issue. So when my friend died of uh, liver failure after a year and a half, I felt a calling to focus on cancer instead of autism. So what what is Cancer Peace University? I mean, what what, what is that? What what what? How, how do people benefit from what you do? Yes. So our goal is actually to set people free from the fear of cancer, and we find that cancer patients tend to carry a lot of fear, and that fear causes them to make certain decisions or be paralyzed in decisions. And we want to help the whole person in Cancer Peace University. And we believe that cancer patients can be become their own experts of their diagnosis. They can learn. We have a, a self-learning path that cancer patients go through to learn about what is cancer. We also believe that the body is interconnected with your soul and your spirit and that it, cancer is not just a clump of cells that were 
a bad lottery of genetics. It's there's so many more layers to it. And we believe that it's important for the cancer patient to find the co cohesive story of why they develop cancer on the emotional side, the energetic side and the physical side, and to answer important questions, um, spiritually for themselves and to really find that peace that they can carry forward into their diagnosis and be able to integrate their care effectively. I love it. I mean, that, that, that's, that's so important because it's exactly, I mean, one, you have traumas, you have beliefs that, that maybe, you know, fuel the process in itself. And then you have the cancer diagnosis in itself that triggers traumas, trigger fears, you know, therapies, you know, that, yeah you know, that comes along with cancer that also can, uh, heighten, you know, these, these, these emotions. So, you know, to have, to have tools that you can then utilize while you move through this process become so vital. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting that the average cancer patient doesn't fully comprehend the emotional roots to their diagnosis because typically people come and they expect us to give them a diet recommendation and a list of supplements. And yet a lot of times when they start to dig deeper, they understand, wow, about what you were saying about the belief system, how is your core belief system affecting your body and your biology? Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's, it's fast. And you have, so at, at, so it's a university, which means that this is where people go to learn. And so you, you yeah. actually have like a curriculum, you know, that you move people through you know, wilder than battling, you know, this, this disease. Yes. So our curriculum helps the cancer patient to connect to a systematic process of learning, of applying protocols, but also of digging deep on why they develop cancer emotionally and psychologically. And so the curriculum really helps the cancer patient find that empowerment because a lot of times people are just doing random Google searches or randomly reading this book or that book, but they don't have a cohesive path to follow. And our curriculum we've developed, actually, it took about a decade to develop the curriculum and finally release it in its entirety. And so we're so proud of the systematic process that the cancer patient can go through. And we're in the process of supporting integrative clinics and being able to bring our curriculum to more people is really our passion right now. So in this curriculum, I mean, what were, I mean, I know you mentioned a few things that are really important for people to, to address and look at, but can you kind of walk me through what, what that journey looks like and, and the things that are important for a cancer patient to, to really address and consider and work through? Yes, totally. So a lot of times what can happen if the cancer patient doesn't have the knowledge of why they develop cancer, then they can end up having a hard time implementing protocols or understanding why they're doing protocols. And that's 30%. The placebo fact, 30% is the belief factor. If you don't have a belief factor in what you're doing or why you're doing it, then you're going to forget to take your supplements. You're going to, you know, not prioritize the things that you need to prioritize. So we really take the cancer patient through a journey of even exploring cancer breakthroughs that are not well known. The work of Dr. Otto Warburg is one of our videos on mitochondrial disease and cancer. 
we highlight thyroid disorders and cancer. And we look at the core belief therapy in cancer is our emotional roots paradigm. It's looking at really neuroplasticity and the subconscious mind and how it's formed from womb to seven. And you're building your belief system. And most people don't realize that we actually are needing on a psychological level to challenge maladaptive core beliefs in the subconscious mind and redesign and rewire our subconscious mind so that we can move forward with an accurate picture of reality that can actually fuel uh, an energetic process that is that is really powerful. And so we talk about, we teach cancer patients about quantum healing um, because we believe that if you understand the quantum universe that we live in, that you can shift energetically internally. The challenge even with quantum, with energetic healing is people will go get acupuncture randomly or go get a massage or, or soak in the sun, but they don't understand what it really means to really jumpstart a dead battery and shift your frequencies. And so our quantum healing uh, module in our videos are, is a really cornerstone to, to our program. And, and so we go through all of these core foundational understandings to build the knowledge of the cancer patient. And we really believe it's a revelatory process of really understanding our wiring and the body's natural propensity to find homeostasis. And that when we can remove those hindrances and connect with the amazing breakthroughs of Dr. Otto Warburg and Dr. Johanna Budwig and Candace Pert's understanding of uh, the neuropeptides in the brain and the molecules of emotion, then we can really have a better sense of, oh, now this is, I know how to integrate my care. I'm not just going to randomly do all these protocols and not know what it's doing, or I'm not going to be confused when I'm faced with a major treatment decision. Yeah. And, and that is so powerful because we are kind of stuck in our ruts, so to say, in, in our thinking and our, in our behavior and belief system. And, uh, to kind of break free from that and to, and, and, and recognize the neuroplasticity that we have, and then to kind of create a, a space, so to say, where, you know, we, we always want to be away from entropy, <laughs> but sometimes entropy is, is good, you know, where, mm -hmm. uh, you, you kind of free yourself from your patterns and yes. and then in order to be able to then to settle into new ones that are more beneficial for uh for a better outcome and for you know where where there's a happy ending and you know where we're accepted where we're loved and and we're we're accepting ourselves and and you know so forth yes i totally agree and i think cancer can be that perfect storm that allows people to look at their patterns and completely disrupt the patterns that have really developed out of apathy or frustration or out of just, just being auto in autopilot, but not really enjoying your life or living your unique calling. And we, we do talk about purpose. And in my book, I talk about um, embracing your eccentricity and how it's so important that we really find out who we are and that we're passionate about what we do because it impacts your biology. Yeah, hugely. And, and here, yeah, get 
get your book. This is your workbook. Yeah. So this yes. is <laughs> brave, yes. braving the braving the storm. Yeah. So uh, yes, it's 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 awesome. And uh, you also wrote about change change your cancer story. I, I haven't read that book. So yes. Mm-hmm. so is is that in the the same how do you how do you change your cancer story that's a great question so change your cancer story was my first book and I really realized through working with cancer patients that we were really going to have to go much deeper than just diet and supplements I had a client come to me with stage four uh, metastatic endometrial cancer And she was working with two amazing integrative clinics. She was on over 50 supplements, doing therapies all the time, and her cancer was still progressing. And she knew intuitively that she had to resolve trauma. She had lost her son to a drug overdose when he was just 20, and she could not get past the grief and the trauma, which is understandable. That's a huge loss. And that's very complicated to move through that type of grieving. And so we started working together and she was trying to avoid palliative chemo, uh, but she ended up starting palliative chemo because nothing integratively was working. So when we started to do work, she started doing the Braving the Storm book and workbook and we started having sessions and um, she joined our program, Uplifted. And through the process, I have every cancer patient write out their timeline of trauma, every memory that they remember that carries vivid emotions, understanding that when you're a child, you're highly sensitive. So a trauma as a child might not look like a trauma as an adult, but you're sensitive and it's imprinting your worldview in your subconscious mind. And so we have to address even the slightest memories that carry heightened emotions. And so we worked through her timeline, timeline of trauma, obviously starting with the loss of her son. And she was able to, in a few sessions, finally release her son and the trauma. Uh, and she had not been able to do that up till, uh, working with me on redesigning memories and releasing trauma and grief. And then we went through every memory in her timeline of trauma. And it was actually pretty amazing because it was actually Thanksgiving a couple of years ago, she ends up getting a scan and the doctor says, you're NED. We don't see any evidence of disease. And it was after only three rounds of palliative chemo. They weren't expecting the chemo to have that impact on her diagnosis. And we knew because we had finished the timeline that it was related to the emotional roots. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you have all these therapies, you know, whether they're integrative or, you know, they're, you know, traditional oncology therapies. Uh, if we don't deal with the underlying factors, you know, like the traumas and belief systems, it's kind of like they don't, they don't work as well. And, and yes. even if you're able to shrink things, you know, the body still then revert back to the old unresolved patterns that uh, that that haven't been addressed, and then think things come back, you know, because yeah. the cancer is there for a reason, uh, mm-hmm. is there to tell us something, and if we don't listen mm-hmm. to that, then uh, then it's going to keep on telling us. That's a good perspective, a good way of looking at it, and I totally agree with you. It's all about synergizing your approach and allowing the physical protocols to have synergy with the deeper work you're doing and really 
most cancer patients do need to be on a lot of supplements and doing a lot of IVs, doing a lot of therapies at the same time, they're resolving inner conflicts and traumas from the past. Yeah. I, I always tell my patients that yes, we can do all these supplements. We can do all these, you know, wonderful IVs and things that we do here. But if, if you don't look at the, the core components, you know, which is your, your, your emotional and your spiritual connection uh, and your, movement exercise and diet then really all these other things are not gonna i mean they're nice they're going to be powerful they're going to do a lot but we're not going to be able to achieve what we're wanting to achieve if we don't address the foundation that makes a lot of sense yeah i would agree with that so uh, it, in in your hair kind of i'm just kind of looking through your your cool book <laughs> your, oh, thank your you. workbook so here we have um yeah, so like the epigenetic healing, that that's a big deal because a lot of people are talking about, you know, is, is cancer a genetic, you know, lottery ticket that you you're just unfortunate with, mm -hmm. or you know, are there other reasons for it? And then epigenetic obviously is talking about something differently, you know, still the genetics, but you can then impact the genes, you know, through other means. So in your way, what is epigenetic healing? What what does it look like from your side? What you do? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So when we're looking at the emotional roots and the expression of the gene, we're needing to understand that the communication patterns in the body are based on biological substrates, but also energetic substrates. So when we're looking at the energetic channels in the body, the meridians, and how our belief system and the energy from the subconscious mind is communicating, then we can see that the communication uh, that in the way that we want to impact cellular change is really needing to be addressed on so many different levels. So yes, Dr. Otto Warburg, he made amazing strides in understanding that I mean, the question is always what came first, the chicken or the egg, the damaged genome or the damaged mitochondria. And Dr. Otto Warburg had a strong argument that the damage to the mitochondria occurred first, and then the epigenetic changes to the DNA happened second. And so when you look at mitochondrial disease as a whole, there is the effect of the lack of oxygen, the injury to the cell because of the lack of oxygen. But how does energetically the communication patterns on the energetic and the frequency level affect our mitochondria as well? When we're looking at all the interconnections and we're seeing that really Candace Pert makes a clear path for the reality that neuro peptides, our molecules of emotion are sent to communicate to every cell in the body and can instruct cancer cells to grow or travel, then we're seeing that the emotions have a direct influence on how to communicate to our cells. And so when we look at reversing mitochondrial disease and supporting some of these uh, deeper layers of what's going on, we need to look not only physically how to repair the mitochondria, but energetically and emotionally, how do we repair the mitochondria? Because that is the key to unlocking some of those epigenetic changes. Yeah, if that makes and, sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's what they, that's what seeing exactly what you're saying is that 
the the mitochondria is the one that controls and the repair and like you mentioned the epigenetic changes of of uh, of your DNA. So if the mitochondria is dysfunctional, then your genetic code will become dysfunctional as well. And the mm -hmm. signaling from the mitochondria will then promote uh, changes that can promote cancer. Yeah, and, yes. and so obviously we want to change that. And so we, you talk a lot about, you know, with the Candice Pert, you know, you have the, the psychoneuroimmunology component, you know, where your, your emotions will impact your, uh, your nervous system and your immune system. And then obviously you have your metabolic aspect, you know, to it as well. So, so what are, and so as we're then kind of shifting the type of, of thought patterns and emotions we're having, you know, what changes take place in the body? What, what's, what's impacting and, and how, how is that benefiting an individual dealing with cancer? I mean, what, uh, can talk to me a little bit, what a, what happens in a body where, you know, positive emotions versus negative emotions. Yeah. So there's many angles in which to look at, at this on a biochemical uh, level of how everything's interconnected. Um, so first of all, the research is showing that when you're in fight or flight, a chronic state of releasing of your stress hormones, your cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, we're seeing that in the presence of stress hormones, your natural killer cells are passive and they're glued to the blood vessel lining and they're not able to act against cancer cells. And then the white blood cells are also fluctuating in direct correlation with how many stress hormones are present. And so when you think about triggering trauma and having a trauma-based response in your subconscious mind, you're triggering your fight or flight response. And people aren't aware consciously of when they're being triggered by trauma because we're going into these emotional storms, blaming, and we're not really able to connect with our left brain or our logical, we're in right brain mode. And so digging deeper becomes really important to look at how we're affecting the immune system. And Dr. Hammer talks about it as well in German new medicine. He talks about how before a cancer diagnosis, there's an inner conflict that causes some, someone to have disrupted sleep. And when we have disrupted sleep, we have lower amounts of melatonin, which then will deplete interleukin one and interleukin two, which will then deplete our white blood cells and our immune system now becomes suppressed because now we have interrupted sleep cycles based on trauma and an inability to process a, the, Dr. Hammer called it a conflict shock. And so I usually can have cancer patients point back to when they started to have disrupted sleep because of not able to process a trauma or something that happened in their life. And then we're working on the physical side to obviously support that pathway of producing enough melatonin, but then we really need to get to the trauma root and start redesigning memories. We need to start building that timeline of trauma and being able to help release those toxic cancer emotions become paramount so that your body can shift out of fight or flight mode to parasympathetic rest and recover mode. And so that can be a process because uh, some cancer patients have multiple trauma triggers and they have a lot on their timeline of trauma. Others have a smaller condensed list. So everyone's different depending upon their childhood. And, and when you say digging deeper, I mean, what? how, how does a person dig deeper? Because a lot of times 
we may not be aware sub you know consciously as to where the trauma come from i mean i i have so many patients they come and and you ask them you know have you any traumatic or stressful and say no i'm everything's fine i mean i've i've been happy and and you know i've got my parents were great and wonderful marriage and financially we're doing great yeah so how how can a person then that is not aware of the trauma, you know, mm -hmm. dig deeper to find these uh, aspects that are then impacting them? That's a great question. So we do have people come to us and they, they're they saying their childhood is great. They don't have any trauma. And, and then we take them deeper. And so we usually start with understanding the research around the type C personality. So in the 1980s, when the study was started, they were really looking at heart disease, but they compared it to um, melanoma and then no disease. And they found that cancer patients had a tendency in the study to repress or deny emotions. They were connected to a dermograph and then they would have these accusational phrases that they would say that if you had any trigger point, you'd be triggered into a stress mode after that. So they would say, you, you only have yourself to blame or you're ugly or just random, like weird things that if you didn't believe it, you, it wouldn't trigger you. You wouldn't care that they would say that, but if you did, then you would have a response that they would be able to mark on the, the dermograph. And so what they found with cancer patients is they would get the measurement on the dermograph that they were stressed in response to it. They were having a stress response to it. And then they would say, Hey, how are you feeling after that phrase? Oh, I'm fine. Nothing's bothering me. And so they found this weird phenomenon that cancer patients had somehow developed a tendency to repress or deny emotions. And uh, that's what I find a lot with cancer patients is, so how did your family deal with emotions growing up? Did you talk openly about emotions or was it just dad was angry and then it exploded and then nothing else and no resolution, no talking you know, everyone's emotions are squashed. A lot of people grow up and maybe they grow up in a family and it's boys don't cry. So if you cry, we're cutting you off. <laughs> so things like that, we really have to look at those patterns of how did you learn how to emote and where is your emotional intelligence? We might have to start with building your emotional intelligence. And that might be a basic, or you might have to start with um, journaling, some free association journaling when you're triggered or you're, you have an emotion that's way too heightened for the situation, do some free association journaling and you're going to find that there's deeper stuff going on. And yeah, and, and, and it is fascinating how that is. You know, you, you don't even think about, you know, those components where you have these, these phrases and how that impacts you and like, you know, boy, boys don't cry and then suck it up and, you know, put on your big pants, you know, big girl pants or, you know, things like that. And, and it just becomes part of who you are. And you just think that that's natural and normal. And, and that becomes kind of like a block for you then to process, you know, the event that took place because, you know, you should just suck it up and deal with it. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I found with some of my clients. And it's interesting when, when cancer patients are able to identify the pattern or the theme emotionally of why they develop cancer. Um, I've had that happen several times, but one of my clients, she didn't realize she had a habit of an internal processing habit of taking offense. And 
she realized through our conversations and through the work in the book and workbook, I talk about offense and she realized that she, in these major moments, she would get offended and she would not try to understand. She would not ask questions or get the input of why someone did what they did. And she would cut people off and she would just be done. And she's like, I didn't know that, that I was getting offended at everyone. And so she had to actually break that down for herself and start learning to ask questions. Don't assume, you know, and, and it actually makes a big difference. And for her, it really impacted her own journey. She had uh, stage four metastatic lung cancer and metastasized to her spine. And she was on targeted gene therapy that was experimental. And we went through the emotional roots. She was on some physical protocols. And then basically, once she started working through the offense at six months, they saw the bones were starting to heal and the lung was just showing scar tissue. And then at nine months, she was also found to be NED. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you mind, do you have one more cool story of, of, of somebody that really kind of sticks out for you? Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple. Um, I'm trying to think who I should share about. Well, I had a client who she had MM, multiple myeloma, and she was also on palliative chemo. And it's challenging because for her, she actually didn't know she was on palliative chemo. So I had her ask her oncologist, am I on a curative path of chemo or palliative? And when she found out she was on palliative, she was horrified and she ended up having conversations with her oncologist and eventually declined chemo because she kept ending up in the hospital and her body couldn't withstand the chemo. And so we started this journey on the emotional root side and she really got to the point where she realized that she was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. That was the way she said it. She's always waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And she had these really intense memories with her father, but there was actually one memory that was super significant for her. And it, like I said, with childhood memories, it seems so simple, but it can have a big impact. So she was like five or so. And she remembers sitting on her dad's lap and she was going through a magazine. It was probably for like Christmas presents or something. And she was like, I want this one, this one, this one, this one. And she was just being silly. She was just, you know, trying to be funny. And, um, and her dad got so mad. <laughs> he was triggered about something, but he got so mad and he said, we're not getting any of them. And he threw the magazine down and pushed her off his lap and she just crushed her. And she always remembered that memory as basically like how she felt in her relationship with her father. And so we really had to work on the, the guilt, the shame she had carried. And she realized that she was under a lot of condemnation, feeling like she was never going to measure up to her ideal sense of self and, and feeling like she was doomed basically. And so we worked through it and she was able to really receive grace for herself in this profound moment. And for the first time, her light chain numbers went down in the normal range couple weeks after we we worked on that significant memory for her how cool how cool yeah I mean, and uh, yeah and that just speaks volume how the immune system and how the body just responds to the emotional programming that that we we have i mean it's it's yeah. 
you 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 just can't separate the two you know body and, and mind and spirit i mean you you can't it's all one you can't put them in different boxes you know they they are interacting continually and that's like you're talking about the the, the quantum healing quantum effect you know quantum emotion i mean it's it's all they're all working together mm -hmm. yes cool. most definitely and it's some of it's just knowledge as cancer patients learn that these are important aspects, these things that we tend to not learn in school or everyday life, the things that are important to understanding health. And when you learn, then you can apply that knowledge and really understand how to take those steps. And I would assume, I mean, here we're talking about cancer patients, but knowing that, you know, for an individual, you know, one out of two at some point is going to get diagnosed. You know, so if you can get a jump start and work on this ahead of time. I mean, how much better would that be? Right? Yes. Yes. I've had people do my book and workbook just because they they're like, I have trauma. I want to deal with it now. I love it. So how how can people then get a hold of you? I mean, obviously, it'd be good to get get your book. Uh, but yes. also your 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 program. Yeah, and, and for everyone out here braving the storm. This is the workbook, but there's an awesome book that goes along with it. Uh, so how can people get hold of you uh, mm -hmm. to uh, enroll into your university? Uh, what, yeah. what does all of that look like? Yeah, so our website is www.cancerpeaceuniversity.com. Um, they can also email me at cancerpeaceuniversity at gmail.com. We just have a process of getting to know a cancer patient and sharing about our uplifted program and seeing if it's the right fit. But other people do tend to do the book and workbook, Braving the Storm. Um, we also have a workshop, but I can also send you a couple of links that you can add at the end of the, the podcast or however you release the information and you can send the links that way as well. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, uh, it's it's been such a pleasure having you here, Megan, and, and you, you're doing such amazing and important work uh, so thank you so much for all of that. Yes. And thank you for the work you're doing at the Carfeld Center. And we're just excited to be able to collaborate and support our, each other's work. It's awesome to, to do that. Thank you. <laughs> the information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. If you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarfeldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on integrative cancer solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.